Meanwhile, in Justice League International Annual Number 2. Welcome to the Justice League International Bwahaha Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. This episode is another one of our Meanwhile episodes. These Meanwhile episodes break from the usual numbered issues to provide a chance to look at the JLI outside of the ongoing monthly series. In this case, we're going to be covering the second annual of the series. By the way, my name's the Irredeemable Shag, and I'm your host. But I am not flying alone, folks. Every single episode, I invite a friend along to help me cover the issue at hand. And unfortunately, this month, none of my friends are available, so I had to invite this guy. Today's guest is an accomplished artist, supposedly, and no stranger to this podcast. In fact, in the past, he has graciously, and it hurts me to use that word, provided the giveaway prizes for two different contests we've held. He's a United States Air Force combat vet, a father of two. He's been a sketch card artist for Marvel Trading Cards. He's currently the art director and creative contributor for White Rocket Books, and he's sadly a misguided fan of Auburn University and is known as the yard sale artist. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome to the show Mr. Jared Albrick. Welcome to the embassy, Jared. Thanks for being here. How are you doing? War Eagle to you, my friend, and I am having a wonderful wonderful time just checking out this beautiful embassy you have here you like it you like it we just had to no i do not it is it looks it looks awful well we had to have it we had to have it fumigated after aaron was here and then after jay was here we had to have it done again so oh my goodness yeah Yeah. i i've yeah i've i've spent a little time with aaron and i i've met jay so i get it i get it yeah yeah it's, it's a bit of a mess but anyway i'm glad that you're here sort of kind of that you're here finally because uh there's a bit of a story here ladies and gentlemen jared as the guest on, um, I guess this is what we've done, what, 15 issues? We've done two issues. So this is like the 17th, 18th, 19th episode of the show, really, truthfully. Uh, and going all the way back to March 2016 is when we started. Jared, when did you and I first get in touch with each other? Um, I was just, we started, you started this in March. It would have been sometime in the summer. Yep. Like around May, June time frame of, of 2016. Yes. A year and a half ago. Because you were out there jogging and sweating, and you would send me nasty pictures of you sweating in the Alabama mm-hmm. sun. Mm-hmm. Jogging true story. You know, listening to this show, which I was kind of like, oh, wow, that's super cool. And then you would talk about swimming. And actually, what started the whole thing was you said you had a waterproof iPod. And I was like, I do. Well, I was like, well, what? That's so cool. So I sent you a private <laughs> message saying that was cool. And you responded with what? Um, I think that was when I kidnapped a member of your family and it was a ransom note. No, is that right? No, not exactly. That came later. Uh, oh. It started with a private message to me <laughs> saying, right. how much original art would I have to bribe you with to get on your show? I think you're actually reading from it. That is an actual quote. Yes. <laughs> And I did send them a message. At first, that. I just kind of like put you aside and like try to pander you off somewhere. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's funny. Ha ha. Because uh, I have a pretty strict rule in the show where I, I don't want to invite anyone unless, unless I've heard their voice. Because I'm fearful that they might sound like Urkel or something like that. <laughs> that is exactly what you said to me. I did. I did. <laughs> and eventually, you wore me down. And I, I agreed to put you on the show, specifically you this did. annual. Uh, and and I, I even asked you, I said, I want to make sure you don't sound like Urkel. And you told me your experience and all this stuff. And I was really nervous. 
especially when you started sending me pictures of you reading this annual on the toilet. That was a little much. That kind of was over the line. <laughs> that is not a punchline for a joke that he's doing, folks. I literally did take pictures of me reading this book on the toilet to prove my dedication and send them to him. That is not a joke. That is a true story. He's like I still have the pictures. Hey, Do you want to put the picture up on the website? Yes, you did ask me that. I'm like, no. This is not going anywhere. <laughs> you can put it on the website for the images for this show if you want. I mean, I'll send, I'll resend you the picture. I'm pretty sure that went in the burn file, but in a, in a town burn. So, so that was you know June of 2016, and at that point, mm-hmm. I was nervous about having Jared on the show. He had never done a mm-hmm. podcast before, and now here we stand a few months later. Jared, has anything changed since then? Um. No. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let me just launch right now. You take a break. You take a break, dude. And I'll. I got the show for now. Go get something to drink. Diamond um, dude, for happening right now. <laughs> All right, take a drink. So, yeah, I fully give credit to Shag. I told Shag this just a few days ago when we were having lunch. My life took an interesting turn from the moment he agreed to have me on the show. Sight unseen or sound unheard, however you want to say it. He agreed to have me on the show. And since then, that's when we booked this. That's when we booked this appearance. No, no, no don't and forget. Be- hold on, I'm going to interrupt you. Don't forget to mention the very first podcast you did. Right. Okay. So we booked this and I think Shag was nervous about like making sure I was ready for the podcast thing. So he, he put me in a fire and water episode. Uh, the one about everyone, what, you know, various people's favorite morts. Yep. I was on, I was on the, I was, I think the last guy on the morts <laughs> episode. Uh, and, and he put me on that and then we, he came to my house and we recorded in my living room and we had a great time. You know, no matter how much, uh, banter back and forth of, of crap we give each other, I really enjoy hanging out with him. So that's your, that's your peel back, honest, um, opinion moment. But we had a great least, time recording. At least one of us enjoys our time together. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it was me. It was me. <laughs> but yeah, so we recorded that. So that was my very, very, very first podcast experience. And now here we are in the very first one that I ever got booked on. He basically booked me on the show. And between here and there, I have been on 40 other podcasts. <laughs> and that's not like a number I picked out of the air. I actually counted. There's 40. So, yeah, I think this will be my 41st, maybe 42nd, depending on when this gets released. That is insane. Um, first of all, 40 episodes in what, 16 months, which is crazy. <laughs> and then on top of that, the fact that you are egotistical enough to count. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I am, I am, and I I, uh, I make my my children listen to this, my my wife listen to these. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm a terrible person. He's Actually, I, 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 I get notes from his son from time to time, comments on the episode. So that's not untrue. <laughs> but yeah, Jordan does enjoy listening to the show. But yeah, I, the only real reason I know is because I do save them, you know, on my computer, and so and I save them in the order in which they came out. That's not egotistical at all. And uh, and so they're numbered, and uh, I have uh, I think 40 of them now. Various shows, you know. Uh, some some shows from friends of yours actually had me That's on their true. shows. Believe it or not, done some stuff with Rob Kelly, done some stuff with Ryan Daly, Good Cats, all Aaron Moss, pretty much everybody who's been on your JLI show. I've done <laughs> their shows. <laughs> well, it's nice that you put all these files in one place. That'll make it easier when uh, the court needs it for you know evidence. So that's perfect. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. This for my arraignment. This is going to be heck of handy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, not only that, not only that on all the podcast stuff, but since we've done this, I was just sort of very fledgling in my art career when you, uh, when you agreed to have me on and it has really just gone really well for me uh, over, over the time since you agreed to have me on the show. So I fully credit you with the upswing in my art career and the success and getting the job with, you know, Marvel and Upper Deck sketch cards has happened since then. Yep. I got my first comic book comes out next, about next week. And then my second one will be on the heels of that a few weeks after that. So it's like, it's all coming together. And I'm giving you, even though you're mean to me, Shag, I'm giving you 
the accolades. I'm giving you a Steam Award. Oh, wow. Well, in, in full Nicholson style, I, I made you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I accept that. <laughs> so, all right. So, actually, normally this is the end of the show, but why don't you – not the plugging nonsense. Well, I don't need to hear all that crap. But why don't you tell us, like, a little <laughs> bit about your art, like why you're the yard sale artist? Because that's kind of – there's a cool story there. So, if, okay. His wife probably came up with it because he couldn't have for sure. Yeah, I'm not, I do not have uh, clever thought skills. <laughs> anyway. Um spit <laughs> that across the room. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, they, I'm called the yard sale artist because pretty much like all the paintings I do, uh, I do paintings and drawings, obviously, but for like especially my paintings, uh, my paintings are all done uh, on stuff that I find at yard sales. Uh, I find stuff people are going to throw away, and I paint on it. And even my paints come from yard sales, and my brushes come from yard sales. Uh, we go out yard selling about every Saturday, and I find you know someone's going to pitch out a mirror, you know, and I look at this mirror and I go, oh, I'll paint Silver Surfer on that because he's got that mirrored skin, mm. and uh, someone's throwing out a piece of scrap metal and I paint Iron Man on it and so on and so forth so like all my all my paintings and stuff are sort of like recycled or upcycled people call that so that's kind of how I became known as uh, the yard sale artist and things just kind of progressed from there it's it's really amazing folks and he he produces some really beautiful breathtaking pieces and I hate to give many sort of credit I really do but I know that that pains you I can hear the well, pain in it your is. voice I'm stumbling over the words and it's like stinging <laughs> in my mouth but uh it's really impressive stuff I mean wow thank you sir you thank guys, you sir you guys may have only seen his JLI related stuff you need to go out check out his Twitter feed and you will be blown away and if you ever get a chance to see him at a show stop by his table buy everything and uh really just he'll knock your socks off I tell you what you stop by my table at a show and you mentioned that you heard me on JLI Wahaha podcast and I've got a little something for you that'll just be for free it's probably a kick into the table but you know take what you can do <laughs> it is a it is a it is a punch to the nutsack <laughs> <laughs> ladies listen to the show too thank you very much <laughs> well then they'll get something else for free but we're, we won't talk about that. <laughs> oh that was over the line way over the line <sighs> all right well free on hugs that, on that on that note folks, <laughs> free hugs that last too long <laughs> Let's let's go to the sponsors because I'm sure they want that kind of lead in. No wait, I've got more more creepy jokes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, this episode of the JLI Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions. You gave me the giggles, damn it. Uh, all up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Now, each episode, we'll select a collected edition to briefly discuss from the InStockTrades library, and usually it's going to be tied into the JLI in some way, uh, shape, or fashion. Mine does. I have no idea how yours fits into this, sir, so could you please tell me how Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars trade paperback fits into this JLI issue. Uh, you're going off script. My according to my script, you go first. So you can just talk improv, about man. It. Improv. You got to keep up. <laughs> no, you told me to stick to the script. You said if you don't script, stick to the script, you will never be on this show or any other show. Fire <laughs> and Water Network. And you used that tone of voice. <laughs> I did, and I your full name too, including your middle name. <laughs> but if you would like me to talk about Marvel Superhero Secret Wars, I'll be happy to do it. Okay, so I mean, everybody out there knows about Marvel Superhero Secret Wars from back in the '80s. It is available at in-stock trades. Uh, it collects Secret Wars 1 through 12, the whole series, which you must be familiar with, where they get all the superheroes and all the supervillains get together on the Beyonder planet and battle it out. You know, you know the story. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody knows the story. It's published by Marvel. written by Jim Shooter, artist by Mike Zeck, Bob Layton, John Beatty worked on it. Killer crew of folks on that. Uh, the new uh, trade paperback has cover art by Alex Ross. It's a gorgeous, 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 also gorgeous painting. It's got a 376-page count. 
It is in full color. Cover price thirty five or thirty four ninety nine. In stock trades price twenty dollars and twenty nine cents, saving you forty two percent. I'll say it again: twenty dollars and twenty nine cents for the entirety of Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. You can't go wrong. Why did I pick it? What does it have to do with the JLI? They're Nothing. both awesome. Okay. They are both awesome, but it really doesn't have a lot to do with it. I picked it for quasi <laughs> selfish reasons. And I just, I just want to be very, very clear. Another one, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings, Shay, but there's been one other person who's tremendously helped my art career, uh, since we talked a year and a half ago. And that has been Mr. John Beatty. The yes. anchor on this book has taken me under his wing and coached me and been a friend to me. And, you know, John's not in the industry, in the industry anymore. John completely makes his living by doing pretty much Comic Con appearances. You know, and he's married. He's got a kid. Uh, he's got a young kid, actually, for as old as John is. I'm going to pick on him. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, folks. For a lot of these older guys, these heroes of ours, you know, that did these comics in the 80s and stuff, it can be tough to get by uh, financially when you're not really in the industry anymore. And John, uh, I, I contacted him before doing the show and said, John, what, what book gives you the best royalty check? And he mm. said, Secret Wars. So, you know what? Let's take care of some of these old creators. And, and, and even if it's not my friend John, even if it's some of these folks from days gone by that's given us these, these beautiful and wonderful things that we all talk about and love, go pick up some of their trades because they do get royalty checks. And, man, that can come in handy. That can be a big difference, those folks. So do me a favor. Pick up Secret Wars. Absolutely. And, you know, folks, even if you got the issues in the long box, think about it. It's so much easier to just have the trade on the shelf. I actually have the trade on my shelf right now. I'm looking at it. Mine's the old cover. I've got an older copy of it. But get your trade. And you know what else you can do? Here, I'm going to pimp somebody else while we're at it. Check out, over on the Pulp the Pixel Podcast Network, they have just completed their coverage of the first 12 issues of Secret Wars. They have a podcast called Secret Wars and Beyond. It's with our buddy Sean and our buddies Dr. G, and it is absolutely phenomenal. It's a great show. You can read your brand new trade paperback. You can listen to the show at the same time. It's a perfect melding of worlds. So It's a win-win right there. Exactly. And if for some reason you already have the Secret Wars trade paperback, then go out to the Hero Initiative, which is an organization designed to help these creators who don't necessarily have health insurance and whatever make a donation to hero initiative instead then awesome yes yes you know do something with your lives people do something for other people quit being so selfish get off your butts <laughs> and on that note i'm going to pimp a completely other trade paper it's not related <laughs> and it has no redeeming values whatsoever that's so. not true i remember reading these when i was not that i know what it's going to be or anything but <laughs> i'm a i'm a fan of this series but pin pip it it's pimp a fun it. story but it doesn't have an emotional connection like you said i can't believe you brought the you brought the feels man i didn't expect I, well that. i didn't see that coming i gotta take care of the people who take care of me man Awesome. You're a good person. Oh, oh that hurt. I could tell I heard the pain. Again. All right. So <laughs> Superman, Emperor, Joker trade paperback. The issue we're going to be covering does feature the Joker. And uh, looking through all the different Joker trade paperbacks on in-stock trades, this one is one that people don't talk about as much anymore. It is uh, collects a series of Superman stories where it features the Joker has gotten a small bit of insane power. I don't want to say from who, because I think that's part of the story, and has become basically Emperor of the World. It's written by Jeff Loeb, art by Ed McGinnis. It is super fun. Uh, it's it's wild. It's crazy. And if you know anything about Ed McGinnis' art, it's absolutely stunning. And a, a full page count of 256 pages, full color, normally retails for $19.99. You can get an in-stock trades right now for 42% off. It's only $11.59, and it is a great read. I highly recommend it. So you should definitely Definitely. Speaking of hitting me in the feels, yes. that's a that's a book that had a moment. I don't I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't read it, but that's, that book has a moment in it that makes me tear up. Aww. 
We can we can talk about it later, or if you want to reveal spoilers, we can. But yeah, sure. oh, okay. I look forward to that. Although the minute we're done with the show, I am totally hanging up on you. But whatever. That makes sense. If you want to pretend we're gonna have some you know post show cuddling, not gonna happen. Anyway, folks, for these and all your other trade paperback needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. All right, so JLI, we're doing the annual here, and we want you to be part of this discussion, folks. We want you to go out on the social medias. We want you to leave comments on Facebook. We want you to leave comments on Twitter. We want you to leave comments on our website. It's all about building a community of online JLI fans around this show. So use our hashtag, which is pound FW Podcast. Hit us up again on Twitter, uh, JLI Podcast. Hit us up on Facebook. we got a Facebook page there. Or, more importantly, go to our website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com slash JLI. You can leave a comment on this show, and we will be part of that conversation and we will talk about your feedback we'll read your comment on the air in a future episode so can't beat that that's great it's almost like being on the show except i don't really want to talk to you people so all right don't want to talk to me either and i'm here so I, you know whatever yeah. spare yourself the pain people just do it in text format <laughs> speaking of being bored out of our minds listening to jared this is a part of the show where we talk to him uh, all right so jared as I like to ask all my guests, well, I don't really like to ask my guests, but I'm kind of forced to because it's in the script you keep referring to. What is your own personal origin story with the JLI? How did you discover this book, and uh, what, what made you fall in love with it? Uh, you have actually read my origin story on air somewhere around, I don't know, it was episode four, three or four. Anyway, early in the series, I had sent it to you. But you know what? I'm going to recap it again just for you because I care. And I have short-term uh, memory problems. so That's quite all right. Picture it. Germany, uh, 1989. Uh, I'm a, I'm a military brat. When you move with the military, you have very uh, strict weight limits. So I'm living in Germany, okay? They, they restrict how much weight of your household goods you're going to move. And my brother had a friend who was moving away. And comic books actually weigh a lot. So it's not uncommon for kids to have to part with their comics in military life. Mm-hmm. If you want to start, if you want to start crying now, this is the time. <laughs> so, so my brother's, you know, friend said, I got to get rid of all these comics. He gave us this big bag, a big box full of comics. And up to this point, my brother Jason and I had been Marvel guys. We didn't, I mean, we didn't have anything against DC, but we just pretty much exclusively read Marvel. And this box is just full of DC. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's 1989 and there's some bat talk on the horizon. Sure. You know, the movie's about to come out and we go through this box and in this box is like one through, I want to say 15 or so. Uh, issues of Justice League, this JLI run. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And we start reading this Justice League stuff. And I just, I'm like, I can't believe comics like this exist. Like, I'm like, who, I'm like, who the hell is Blue Beetle and Booster? I don't know who these people are. Maxwell Lord. The only person I know is Batman. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And it's so funny. And I'm like, this is a trip. And I'm like, I, I thought the super, I thought Justice League was Superman and Green Lantern and Flash. And, and so I'm just like in this, my mind is blown. It's just blown. And I'm just like, this is so cool. And, and so it, I felt like I was immediately in like a secret club, like, oh my gosh, another person who knows this stuff. And my, and my brother and I just started reading the heck out and just laughing and like, I just couldn't believe comics could be this good. You know, and that's no slight on the Marvel stuff I was reading, but let's be honest, this, this was unique. It was different. You know, you, definitely. It was different and it was funny. And I, we were just blown away with how entertaining it was. And, of course, it didn't hurt that the art was gorgeous as well. So it just had so much going for it. So we, we're just – we almost immediately become these converts 
from from uh, Marvel to DC, pretty much so thanks to this book alone. Oh wow! And we just start collecting everything. We start giving anything and everything a try. We read a lot of those first comics with you know Badger and Nexus and all that stuff. Yep. yep. All because this one book just showed us there was so much more out there, so much different stuff. So I mean, this book is huge in the life of both me and my brother Jason. And it all starts from some poor sap in Germany who had to get rid of his comic books <laughs> and and gave them to us. Oh my so god! So that's how that went down. All right, so follow up to that. You were in Germany, 1989. Did you stay there a while? And were you there for the fall of the wall with David Hasselhoff? Did you see the Hoff perform? Okay, I got a this yes and no. No, I didn't see the Hoff perform, but I was there when the wall came down, and I do have a piece that I chipped off myself. Oh, uh, in in 1989. What what an amazing time to be there! And luckily, I was like just old enough. I was about like 89. I was 13 years old, so I was just old enough to appreciate what I was doing. You know, if I'd just been a couple years younger, I'd be like, whatever, it's a wall coming down. But I was just old enough to get it. So it was a powerful and cool time to be there. That's awesome. Very cool. All right. Next question. Who is your favorite JLI characters? Uh, try and narrow it down to like, you know, somewhere between three to one character. Can do. Okay. Can do. Let's see if you can my... do better than the rest of the people who have been on the show because they all seem to name four or five. Okay. No, I can do better than that because my favorite characters are Booster Gold. Yes. Blue Beetle. Yes. Mr. Miracle, John Johns, Black Canary, Batman, Rocket Red. Do they teach you how to count in Alabama? And don't you judge me. <laughs> uh, did I exceed? I exceeded the three. No, no I knew you were going to give me crap because you do that to everybody who comes on the show. Honestly, though, narrowing it down, I, I'm going to narrow it down to two, which is no – I honestly do love every character. I mean there's – I love it all. I'm going to narrow it down to what's probably the most common two, Booster and Blue Beetle. Sure. I adore it. I adore that combo. Uh, they're the, the greatest one-two punch maybe ever in comics. That's right. I said it. And and what's so interesting about that is I know you've done this, Shag. I know you've read Booster Solo series and you've read Blue Beetle Solo series and they're both good, yep. but they don't hold a candle to what happens when you put them together. Absolutely true. There's just something magical about it. Now, the argument could be made that their personalities are drastically different than their independent books as well, but yes, yes, they're not Blue Beetle's not, near, Blue Beetle's not nearly as fun uh, <laughs> in his own book. He's very much a straight man in his yes. book, you know. Yes, he is. Uh, and, and although he does play kind of the straight man to to Booster's Goofy Man, but with his own brand of goofiness. But I yeah, know, those it, two I love. In this issue alone, um, actually, Beetle's a troublemaker in this issue. He really is. <laughs> this this issue is is a very good example of the beauty of Booster and Blue Beetle together. It really is. And if you give me a room for one more slot, I think I'd give my third slot to probably Mr. Miracle. There you go. I love it. It's funny. Like, I, I, if, I don't know if you're like me, but as I do a read-through, my favorite characters sort of change as I'm reading them. Like, you know, I start off I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it's Guy Gardner is just a guy you love to hate. I can't. I love him. You know, and yes. then you get further along, <laughs> and it's like, oh, wait, Beetle and Booster are amazing. And then, oh, wait, Mr. Miracle's fantastic. Oh, wait, Fire and Ice are so cool. And oh, Martian Man, yes. oh, my gosh. You know, it's just, you can't help but love, you know, Barda, oh, my gosh. You know, it's, it's hard to narrow it down to, it's almost like depends on the issue I'm reading. No, I know, and they do a great job of that. I mean, that's just a, a testament to to um, Keith Giffen and J.M.D. Mateus is that they, they keep it fresh, you know, and they know how to change the spotlight from character to character. Uh, just the one that stuck with me the most, though, has got to be got to be Booster and Blue yeah. Beetle. Blue and and if you maybe if, if you made me pick one, I'm a I'm a Booster Go, Gold Homer all day. I got a, I have a Booster Gold fan club T-shirt that I <laughs> I wear around. 
I love Where did Bushido. you even get that? Um, on the interwebs. Okay. I, yeah, my buddy Delvin from over on the Longbox Crusade knows about my Booster Gold problem, and he found it somewhere on the interwebs, forwarded it to me, said, I know you're going to buy this, and I did. Awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> then I assume you've been over to the Boosterific website, which is absolutely a blast. They do a great job supporting Booster Gold and getting the word out there about that character. They really do, and they've, they've tantalized me recently, you know, within recent couple of years. They always talk about, oh, there's a, there's a movie being shopped around, or there's a TV series being shopped around. Still waiting for this to happen. <laughs> you know, I gotta wonder if oh, what was that show that was just on last season? It had fire on it. Powerless. I gotta wonder if Powerless uh, may have done da- some damage to oh. uh, possibilities of a humorous-based TV show, superhero TV show. I don't know. Well, as you know uh, from my other endeavors, I'm a huge Quantum Leap guy, and Booster Gold, you know, with his time traveling stuff, yep. Yep. it's so Quantum Leapish. It very much appeals to how that can't be a show. I, I, I don't know. Let's do, a, let's do a GoFundMe. Let's me and you. Let's do a GoFundMe. <laughs> And make this damn Booster Gold show. <laughs> I think Dan Jurgens might help us out a little. <laughs> yeah, he, like he'll give us like like twenty bucks to make the second tier of our GoFundMe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, good um, luck, fellas. <laughs> I kind of wonder. I, you know, I never thought about this, but if you go back to read the Jeff Johns series where he's where Booster's just jumping through time all the time, I wonder if he mm-hmm. has an issue where he appears and goes, "Oh boy, that would just be perfect." It, it's I would think I would have remembered that. I mean, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I'm I think I would have remembered because I did love that series. Yeah, and that would make total sense. I don't remember that. Hmm. All right. But yeah. All right, folks. Well, we got to get rolling. We're going to be here all night listening to our ridiculous hijinks. So, no, one of the things that is different that's going to make this episode a little bit shorter is when we do these meanwhile episodes, we cut out some of the segments. For example, we. No, no, we don't. Well, we do. Uh, we're no. Yeah, so there's a segment where I normally talk about books that are also on the shelf. Yeah, we're going to do that because I'm not getting shortchanged. I am, I'm not Diablo Frank. Yeah, good luck with all that because right? I'm in charge of the editing. Uh, see, all those same exact comics were covered when we did JLI number 15 because the same – Stuff like the, the annuals, uh, the 88 annuals, stuff yeah. like the Killing Joke ads, stuff like the Who's Great in 88 ad, yep. that kind of stuff. We did all that. Yep. Already okay, done. good. All right, yep. squeeze that in. Yep, perfect. And right. uh, we also will be doing feedback. We'll save that for a future episode. As well. well, we won't be hearing from like Keith G. Baker or or Ultron is my Elvis or Paul Hicks or um, Jimmy McGlinchey or Coffee and Comics Blog or any of those people or you Darren Ruth Sutherland. I'll be hearing from them all in the next episode and be talking about it. But no, sir, you will be not okay. part of that because, quite frankly, I, I like to keep you separate from the rest of my friends because it's dangerous. No, I got it squeezed in. I'm good. I just didn't want to get shortchanged. Now I've done it, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> But one segment we do keep for the annuals is the... Character Spotlight. Which is where the guest, which is you, Jared, by the way, in case you haven't been paying attention, is going to be asked to share some thoughts on one of the characters from this issue. Now, usually we're not really looking for an origin recap. What we normally do is we say, you know, where was this character in the DC Universe at this time? What had led them to this moment? And what sort of impact did this JLI issue have on them in the future? I proposed that to Jared. Jared said, "Mm, no, I'm not doing that. And instead, (laughs) Jared told me he's going to be covering the Joker, and specifically not where Joker has led up to this, but what happens to the Joker afterwards. So, um, Mr. Yarosail Artist, please feel free to take it away as if it was your own show. All right, I, I do what I want. I come into your show and I just rewrite the rules. No, I, I, I think you swallowed this pill pretty easily because it's fairly interesting about sort of Joker is in a very transitional period right now. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about the Joker. He's very centric in this book and he's awesome in this book. But you know what? You know what's coming out on the heels of this? Like, I think one week later is what you told me. I yes. knew it was coming out soon, but you had like the dates. Yep. One week later, the killing joke comes out. Unbelievable. Okay. Unbelievable. We all know if you're listening to the show, you know about the killing joke. If you don't, in stock trades. Uh, but uh, mm. Killing Joke is amazing. 
and it it gives us a peek behind the 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 menacing crazy origin of the Joker and that's really where this is going instead of talking about like you said where he's at now I like to talk about where he's going because the Joker is seriously transitioning the killing joke is coming out and then on the heels of that is a little little story called a death in the family where if you haven't read that you need to spoiler alert Joker murders Jason Todd with a crowbar what true story dude actually (laughs) you're wrong Oh, stop it. No, he doesn't. Well, it was a bomb. Fine, yes. it was a he bomb. He beats him with a crowbar, and a beats bomb him. kills Jason Todd. And then he blows up Joe, uh, Robin and, 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 and probably his mother at the same time, right. just to make it worse. And this um, so, I punch his wall, and that never happened. But anyway. Oh, God, I threw up in my mouth. But anyway, um, <laughs> so this, here in 1988-89, there is a big flux happening. You've got, you've, you've got the Joker. He's going from being this A-list Batman villain at this exact moment in time as we read sort of JLI annual number two. He's this A-list Batman villain. We're all familiar with sort of what he's done and where he's been. And at this point in his career, he's kind of most famous for Cesar Romero's portrayal of him on TV, which I am not mocking, by the way. Cesar Romero's awesome. And and yeah, with makeup on his mustache makes him more awesome. Like anyone else, it would be lamer, but for him, it's more awesome. Mm -hmm. Tom Selleck could probably do it as well. (laughs) But... That's what, that's who the Joker was. You all know, you all know what the Joker is, you know what he was, but he's transitioning from like this A-list Batman villain to a world-class psychotic madman. Like you can make a, easily make a case he's a psychotic madman. He definitely shows that in this issue to a hilarious <laughs> extent. But we go to Killing Joke and we see how crazy he is. Then we see him actually murder Robin. And we're just like, what? And then on the heels of that, in 89, the Batman movie comes out, and Jack Nicholson takes it by storm. There's a whole group of people out there. When I say Cesar Romero, they go, what? But you say Jack Nicholson, Joker, and they go, oh, yeah. And he plays it so menacing, so insane, that we've just had more menacing, more insane Jokers on the big screen since then. Oh, yeah. So the jo- this is like the this is like the year that launches Joker from from that wacky, goofy kind of bad guy who's a little bit crazy to full blown psychotic madman. I was on Twitter the other day and someone put out a little, little Twitter thing. Who's the scariest villain in all of comics? I'm like, hands down, it's the Joker. Hands down, it's the Joker. You're walking down an alley and one villain's coming at you. The one you're praying to God, it's not, is going to be the Joker. I guarantee you. You don't know what he's going to do. I would argue that they had made him psychotic again in, what, the, the late 70s is when the Laughing Fish? I yes. Know. Yeah, but, the Laughing Fish stuff, yes. But it, it was he was psychotic, certainly, but it was right in 88, like you're saying, when it just became freaking terrifying as a reader. Like, yes, he was he was terrifying at that point. Rather than being like, "Oh, it's going to be a you know a, a crazy issue," it's like, "Oh God, he's here!" And, uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, could you exactly. imagine yeah. going to the comic shop? Let's say you know I only go to the comic shop about once a month now because I'm just old and lazy and it's far away from my house. Could you imagine going to the comic shop, picking up your books? Let's say at the end of the month, and you get in the same shopping bag. You go home with this Justice League annual, which is hilarious, and the Killing Joke, and go home and read those back to back. Could you imagine what that would do to your head? Oh man, yeah, that's Nuts. woo. I know we'll get to it, but man, look online, folks. Jail. If you don't have the issue, JLI Annual Number Two. Look at the face on that cover; it's just frightening enough, and it's only going to get more frightening from here. <laughs> All right, well, just hold, hold the cover talk there. In fact, why don't we? Because uh, we we both want to get into this thing, so why don't we take a quick podcast promo break? We'll play some commercials from some friends of ours. Uh, hopefully, not anything with Jared's involvement. And then when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about Justice League International Annual Number Two. Hi, this is Batman. 
Whenever I lose my memory, I head over to the batmanuniverse.net and check out the podcast, Bat Books for Beginners. The Bat Books for Beginners podcast breaks down and analyzes all of my adventures so I can remember how to get to the Batcave, which Robin I'm working with, and where I parked the Batmobile. Chris and Jerry, the hosts of Bat Books for Beginners, are honest about how well I'm serving the citizens of Gotham. Sometimes too honest, I'll have to talk to them about that. If you wake up one morning and think you might be Batman and have just lost your memories, go over to the BatmanUniverse.net or iTunes and check out Bat Books for Beginners. Now, if I could just figure out who this old man cleaning the Batcave is, that would be great. I asked my friend Scott Snyder and he didn't know. Don't be a supervillain. Visit the BatmanUniverse.net and listen to Bat Books for Beginners, also on iTunes. You'll be glad you did. Bat Books for Beginners is part of the BatmanUniverse.net Bat family of podcasts. Don't listen to Bat Books for Beginners when operating heavy machinery or juggling. If you listen to Bat Books for Beginners for more than four hours, call your doctor. Bat Books for Beginners is part of a balanced diet. Hello, I'm Pat Sampson, and I would like to invite you to join me on my podcast, The Longbox Crusade. On this podcast, I'm reading through my 20-plus longboxes that I have stored away in my basement. On each episode, I will select a random issue from my collection and take a very highbrow, thoughtful approach to examining these truly American art forms that help to shape our popular culture. Oh, oh, I like comics too. Uh, Can I get a comic out of my longbox that syncs up with the month and year of the comic from your long box and chat about that too. Oh, oh, and video games. Can we talk about games? Or, or maybe James Bond too. I love James Bond. <sighs> Fine. Jared Elbrick, AKA the yard sale artist. We can add some of your comics and enthusiasm to the show. It might help get a deeper introspection of. Did someone say James Bond? I love James Bond and I love comics too. I can bring a comic from my long box to sync up with you guys. I also love movies and music, even news stories that tie into the time period that match the comic books we review. Uh, this is what I get for inviting both the Albrecht brothers into my show. Jason, how the heck can we fit all that into my deeply intellectual review of... Uh, well, you know what? Fine. Let's do it. Let's cram it all into one podcast. Join us on the Longbox Crusade, folks. We'll bounce around in time from issue to issue, pulled randomly from my longboxes, and the Alpert Brothers will bring along issues with the same month and year cover date. We'll talk about the comics and the time period they come from, including... World news of that time. Top 40 music chart toppers. Movies, both good and bad. Maybe even some favorite recipes. Whatever I think is funny. We'll probably have to suffer through things that Jared thinks are funny. We'll jam it all into one pop culture extravaganza examining the comics in my longbox and the time period surrounding them. Join us for a wild ride through time on the Longbox Crusade podcast as we attempt to read them all. What's in your longbox?
And we're back, folks. We are here for Justice League International Annual Number Two, or to be more exact, it is technically just Justice League Annual Number Two. If you read the indicia, International wasn't part of the title for this. Who knew? So uh, we're going to jump into this coverage. But remember, go out to our website, FireWaterPodcast.com/gli. There'll be a gallery post there. You can see lots of images from this issue there, so you can follow along if you can't seem to find your copy of this issue. And why, if you cannot, I don't even know how you sleep at night and live with yourself. But anyway, let's see. Published by DC Comics. On sale date March 22nd, 1988. Our thanks to Mike's Amazing World of Comics for that information. Cover price $1.50. So this is what? I think double the normal issue price? Woof. Bumper price. Man. But it's worth it. Cover by Carrie Gamble and Joe Rubenstein, which is interesting because that's not who did the interiors. Why don't you walk us through the cover here because you're so anxious to talk about it on the front end of the show. And uh, then we'll go from there. Um, it's got the Joker on it. Back to you, Shag. Perfect. Excellent. Well okay. done, sir. <laughs> No, I got you covered. I got you covered. Uh, it does one of those flat, simple color backgrounds. It's sort of a uh, orangish red, and it's really just a zoomed in pace, uh, uh, zoomed in on the face of this very terrifying, smiling Joker with wild eyes, and he's holding up four playing cards: one picture of Blue Beetle, one of Booster Gold, one of Ice Maiden, one of Green Flame, and they all have some sort of damage to them with an X or a tear or a burn or a bullet hole, and uh, it says "Private Lives" on the cover. So you. You definitely get the feeling that the Joker is coming after the Justice League. Well, I also I got to say that the way it's lit, he's lit from the bottom, which just makes it so you know t- old school horror movie terrifying. You know, it's almost like a I don't, like for oh, you're there, right. Yes, I got a vision of like an old Vincent Price kind of sort of thing going on here. Yeah, I didn't notice that until you said something. That is very that's a very keen observation. Like you tell scary stories with a flashlight under your chin, it yeah. totally has that look. That's a yeah. great catch. Yeah. Well, I would think someone who's an artist might catch something like that, but <laughs> what, what would I know? Did you uh, just say I would think? Because there's your stumbling point. <laughs> Ouch! So even though Kerry Gamble didn't do the interior, I think this is is really expertly done. Expertly done. Now I do want to mention the whole private lives thing. Interesting thought. You mentioned that's the name of the you know on, on boldly on the cover. There was actually it's not a crossover so much, but many of the annuals this year for '88 actually carried that private lives tag. So it's not exactly a crossover, more of a theme. And in a lot of other books, it was like there'd be an eight page backup story involving some sort of private lives story involved. You know, where superheroes in the front and in the back, they'd be you know you know. Uh, be Wonder Woman's friend, read the reading of her will, or, or whatever. In this case, the whole issue is about the hero's private lives, so that's why they just made it one big theme. I actually did not know that. Good job scoring some knowledge for the kids. You learn something every day. Look at that. All right. Very cool. All right, folks. The plot is by Keith Giffen, script by J.M.D. Mateus, penciler Bill Willingham. Look at that. That is yeah. awesome. He did uh, annual number one as well. So, And you may know that name, not so much as a penciler, but as a writer. Think about it for a while. We'll get back to you. Uh, Inker, Joe Rubenstein. Fables. Oh, spoilers! Uh, <laughs> letter Joe, uh, John Constantine. I'm sorry. Letter, not John Constantine. Uh, <laughs> letter John, John Costanza. Colors Gene D'Angelo. Editor Andy Helfer. And Kevin McGuire is listed as home sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> he actually is listed as home sleeping. He really is. He really is. So. All right. Why don't you walk us through the first half of this issue? Woo! All right. This I'm going to tell you right now. The title of this issue is Hit or Miss. 
And there is so much going on in this annual. I'm going to like – I've got this scripted out. I'm going to just plow through this as best I can. There is a ton going on in this book, people. Well, it's also – All right. It's 38 pages long, which is almost double what you normally get in a comic. So, yeah, a lot of Yeah, we're talking 38 pages. We're talking like panels upon panels in the in, on, per page. You'll get the idea. Here we go. <laughs> Our tale begins at Maxwell Lord's destroyed office at the Innovative Concepts Building in New York City. The always up to something Colonel Ruman Harjarvti Harjar, – I'm going to call him Colonel H for the rest of the time uh, – <laughs> is combing through the wreckage of Miss Wootenhofer's office looking for uh, Maxwell Lord's Rolodex of contacts. What he finds instead is the Joker, who has already located the Rolodex, seeking clues to Batman's identity. The colonel wants as much info as he can get on the JLI so he can, of course, kill them all. Thus, the unholy alliance of Colonel H and the J-Man is forged. In exchange for Joker murdering the JLI members, the colonel will use the secret police assets of his home country of Bialia to discover Batman's true identity for the Joker. It's the perfect plan. What could go wrong? <laughs> All right. So we cut from New York City. There's going to be a lot of cuts, folks. We cut from New York City to the suburban home of Mr. Miracle and Big Barter, where Scott is in swim trunks struggling to figure out how to build a grill, and Barta is in a yellow bikini. She's hot. Yeah, I got it's in my notes. Pause for Shag's input. Okay. <laughs> and she's struggling to understand what weenies are. It says <laughs> it's in my script, it says pause again for Shag's reaction. I, I have comments about that later. <laughs> okay, we'll get, so we'll get put a put a pin in that folks. Put a pin in that weenie folk. Wait, oh. never mind. Anyway. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the JLI Embassy in New York, try to keep keep up, folks. We're bouncing around a lot here. Ice Maiden and Green Flame prepare themselves to use their new JLI status to earn themselves a modeling gig at the Ford Agency. As they kiss Oberon goodbye and he absolutely melts, we see that they are being watched by the Joker and the Biolian agent. Now let's hop over to the Paris Embassy. Okay, where uh, JL, where JLI members Ted and Booster are chatting with the lovely Miss Colbert. Well, Ted chats. Booster stays miserably grumpy. Uh, <laughs> the blue and gold discuss the needing to pick up some extra income as they teleport over to New York Embassy, where they bump into Oberon, who's complaining that Star Labs has asked the JLI to locate a missing combat vehicle for them, giving Ted and Booster the idea that they can make some extra cash as repo men. Just like the alliance of Colonel H and the Joker, what could possibly go wrong. Let's go to another location, Brighton Beach, Brooklyn, where the Martian Manhunter in human form and our out-of-his-rocket-red armor, Dimitri, are heading to enjoy Russian cuisine, and also being watched by a Bialian, that's so much fun to say, Bialian <laughs> agent. All right, back to Mr. Miracle's suburban home now, where Guy Gardner has shown up and, is, and is, is currently helping, and that has air quotes around it, helping Scott build the barbecue grill, but only really accomplishes burning his own face off. Meanwhile, at the repo office, Booster and Beetle are pitching their skills to the owner and agree to find the missing Star Labs vehicle as a tryout. And they are also being watched by an agent. So, here we go, folks. Joker arrives at the Russian restaurant to kill his first JLI member, Rocket Red. Upon entering the restaurant, he sees it's filled to capacity with partying Russians, and he storms out, complaining that he has to kill too many people and he doesn't do freebies. He then asks his driver to take him to the warehouse dis district where he can kill Booster and Ted and hopefully thousands of other people. Makes perfect sense. He's the Joker. <laughs> Booster and Beetle hop the fence at the warehouse, peek in the window, and find the stolen Star Labs combat vehicle. Take it away, Shag. Yeah, I'm going to take over because I'm afraid you're about to pass out. So I am. I got to do your thing. I'm going right. to lay down. I'm going to lay down. 
<laughs> Keep in mind, this is the guy that has run like 50 miles listening to this show. But anyway, all right, folks. It is about this time that Booster realizes that the combat vehicle was stolen from Star Labs by the 1000 Committee, which is an evil organization that he did battle with. Then our heroes, and actually, I don't even know if we can call them heroes at this point, really. Anyway, regardless, our heroes manage to steal the tank and drive it away in whisper mode while being chased by an angry horde of a thousand agents. Well, not whisper really. Whisper mode. What's that? Whisper mode. The nice. <laughs> can we put you in that permanently? Anyway, so it's not really a thousand agents. It's the agents of 1,000. It gets confusing. Anyway, you get my meaning. Along the way, Beetle accidentally triggers the enormous tank's cannon, blowing up their own car, which actually works out for the best, since the Joker had a henchman put a bomb underneath the car anyway. And the Joker totally strangles the henchman, because uh, the guy who planted the bomb, because the booster and Beetle got away. Oh, so sad. Now, when we check over in Subplot City, Barta is frustrated with having to cater to Scott's JLI friends and repeatedly yelling the word weenies, which we're going to get back to. Anyway, meanwhile, uh, Green Flame is, uh, she struck out at the modeling agency. It didn't go well. But Ice Maiden hit the jackpot. Apparently, the Nordic look is in this year. So they celebrate <laughs> with a quick meal from a hot dog vendor, and uh, they narrowly miss being assassinated by the Joker with a rifle. Green Flame drops her part. It's so hard not to say fire. Every time I say Green Flame, it's like not... I know. I have that same problem when I was doing the write-up on my app. <laughs> so Green Flame drops her purse and she bends down to collect the contents as the Joker's bullet zooms by them unnoticed. And the Joker is not having a good day, so he kills another one of his henchmen. So it's finally time for this cookout at the Miracle Household. Booster and Beetle, of course, drive the tank to the party, stopping by to give Green Flame and Ice Maiden a ride, a ride as well. And the entire team's enjoying their usual hijinks and bonding, minus Captain Adam, who's busy, and Batman, who they just couldn't seem to get in touch with. And Ted Court has the brilliant idea to use the JLI emergency signal device to get Batman to come to the party. Nothing could go wrong there, right? Uh, it's about this time that everyone is surprised when the Joker arrives to threaten the cookout and now controlling the Star Labs tank. The Beetle, Beetle and Booster drove to the party. More wackiness ensues when the agents of the 1000 also arrive, their goal to repossess the tank. Not unexpectedly, the neighbor's house is destroyed, and Big Barda has had enough of this crap. Clad only in her yellow bikini, slippers, and sunglasses, Barda is going to put a stop to this nonsense. In uh, sort of an odd sight, to see Barda and Martian Manhunter in his old bald guy disguise, tearing apart the Joker's tank. Now, in case you aren't keeping up with the scorecard at home, Booster and Beetle have lost the tank for their new Repo Man business. Mr. Miracle and Big Barda are sort of responsible for the destruction of their neighbor's house. And even the Joker is depressed, demanding to be returned to Arkham Asylum. It's about this time that Batman arrives via the Batmobile, and he's responding to this trouble alert. And the Dark Knight is grumbling to himself in the car about Gotham rush hour traffic. And when he sees all this chaos, he turns the Batmobile around and starts driving away saying, No, not today. I'm really not in the mood for this. Well, meanwhile, the Joker is actually chasing after the Batmobile down the road, pleading for Batman to save him from this insanity. Ah, lots of fun. Then we get this one-page final epilogue that takes place two weeks later in Biolia. I I can't say that. Biolia? Say it for me. Biolia? Thank you. Uh, Hmm. Ruman Harjarvati is reading about (laughs) Joker. That's the best you're going to get. He's reading about the Joker's capture in the newspaper. He's happy that he managed to escape any consequences himself. And he says to himself that perhaps it's time to start negotiations with the Queen Bee. Foreshadowing anyone. And, uh she'd make a much better partner than the Joker. And he goes on to say the Joker's a pathetic case with bad makeup. Unfortunately, all of that was overheard by the Joker himself, who is standing in Harjar Vardy's doorway, holding what looks like an ice pick. And the end. Oof. So yes, that was 38 pages of a whole lot of stuff. I passed out for a second. I'm good now. Okay. <laughs> you feeling better? Yes. So let's talk about this issue. Let's get into this. I just, I just want to say that overall, this when you... 
I'm so flabbergasted. When, <laughs> when I asked you to be on the show and you were like, uh, whatever, you asked nuts. me to be on the show? I'm on the show every time. Really? I thought this was my show. No, nah, sorry. This is not my show? Oh, okay. Anyway, when I asked to be on the show, that's the better phrase. When I asked to be on the show and you were like, eh, I'll toss you an annual. And you said annual too. I don't know. Do you remember my reaction to that? No, I don't. I, I about just, I'm, what's the most PG rated way I can put this? <laughs> you peed I was over, I was, peed myself. I was over the moon because this annual, cause let's be honest, uh, as my friend Delvin once said uh, on another podcast I was on, annual is probably Latin for filler. You know, it's that, it's that, that thing they put out every year that you don't really have to get it and it's just extra money, but you kind of do it out of loyalty. This annual, while it is a standalone filler story, is just so entertaining. And I've read a million annuals in my life. That's hyperbole. I've read 50 annuals in my life. And there's only one that I truly remember and I truly love, and it's this one. I was so excited when you said we were doing this book. This book is just so much fun. It's ridiculous. So I just want to get that out of the way. I want to clear the decks that this is not only one of my favorite comics ever, but this is the best annual I've ever read. I will put this up against any annual that anyone else loves out there anytime. Well, I, I, I don't dare compare it to uh, Blue Devil Annual Number One Summer Fun Special because I, I don't think I can put both of those together because I love them both equally. But this is absolutely a complete blast. And one of the things that I love so much about it is if you look at this issue and realize once you get done, unless I'm mistaken here, there's not a single superhero costume in this entire issue. You are correct, sir. It, it is private is, lives. It is all about <laughs> the people behind the costume and what their lives are like when they're not off fighting supervillains, which is always what the, the idea was going to be, which was going to be, you know, it was the Justice League. They, they have adventures. This is what happens in between those adventures. And this one fits the bill perfectly, and it is completely wacky. It is completely hilarious. I, I absolutely love it. It's so much fun. I, I'm, I'm dreading, I'm dreading the Blahaha War because there's quality jokes on every freaking page. Yes. It's yes. that entertaining. That is going to be that entertaining. very hard to do. Well, all right. So let's get into a few things here. Like for starters, actually, one of the things interesting about this is not only do we uh, talk about, you know, no costume stuff, the continuity itself is actually sort of impossible to place this thing, which is part of the reason I love it, is because, you know, Green Flame and Ice Maiden are clearly members of the team here, right? However, they don't join until issue 15. That's their first mission. And that issue goes immediately into issue 16, which is where Mr. Miracle gets kidnapped and taken off of the cluster for several issues. And so it has to be after they join the team, but before Mr. Miracle is, is kidnapped. And if you say, oh, well, maybe it's after he gets back. Well, it's not because Ruman Harjavardi is in this issue and he's killed, sorry, spoilers, in issue 16. So it doesn't actually fit anywhere in the continuity, which I kind of love. Kind of, do, do we specifically see them join in 15? Like, is there like, this is the moment they join? Cause I was thinking maybe this is sort of like the prequel. Like they've joined, but they haven't been on their first mission. Well, it, it is possible that they're not members of the team at this point. It could be, cause you know, in issue 12 through 15, 14, they're sort of like hanging around. Uh, it could be that they're in this hanging around mode and they're not officially parts of the team yet, but Booster and Beetle are like, Hey, you're hot. Come to the party with us. It could be the case. <laughs> hanging around is a okay with those right, two. Right. For those two, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with their tongues you know, on the ground, whatever, right? So speaking of uh, them being hot, I mean, Bill Willingham on art here, guys. Yes, yeah, so you mentioned it, Fables. He's obviously famous for writing the Fable series. He also was a very accomplished artist. He did a great job in annual number one. He's done a great job in this annual. I, I love his artwork. Now, you're an artist. I mean, wh wh like, wh what are some things that jump out at you art-wise in this thing? First of all, he draws a fantastic Joker. Yes. All right? Joker's one of those characters that you get a lot of... Uh, 
you have a lot of room, but you don't have a lot of room, if that makes sense. Okay. Because <laughs> um, you can do your very sort of stylized take uh, if you like, but he just just nails it. And and I'm going back over looking at his art, especially just sort of Joker focus. It really comes down to the outfits he's selected. Okay. Like when we, when we first meet him, he's almost in like a swanky but like 55 year old woman's outfit. Yeah, there, there's some drag going on there. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and then like he wears like the, the very like militaristic dictator outfit later on, and it's like these, these crazy outfit selections. And Willingham just nails it. And and just to give you an idea of how well he nails it. Uh, when I'm, you know, 12, 13 years old reading this, like I said, we got like a whole glob of them, plus these annuals all at once. And of course, my brother Jason's five years older than me. So he's like, I'm reading the real issues. Here you go, scrub kid, read the annual. <laughs> you know, and little did he know that I'm reading like one of the best books out of the whole series. But I was familiar with how good the the art was in the other books by Kevin McGuire. Yes. And to me, as an adult now, it's not seamless, but it's in the ballpark with these facial expressions that William Ham's using. He, he's 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 holding up his end of of the Kevin McGuire art, and that is a huge compliment. Absolutely, in my book. He, he's very good with the expressions. It, it is yes. McGuire is, is sort of made it an art form in and of itself, but but Willingham does a fantastic job with it. I like to think it's his training on the Dungeons and Dragon advertisements, but whatever. Um, <laughs> go back the, the, the deepest of cuts, there, my friend. <laughs> hey, I love those old D and D ads that he did. Anyway, he does an excellent job. You know, I want to go back to the Joker here. Like, there's certain things about the costume, but this goes to the colorist as well. But like, I do like how his his costumes aren't as out outfits are not always specifically in the purple and orange kind of thing you're used to. So you get some differences here. Mm-hmm. You get some very 80s colors and we talked about the drag thing. I mean, just get specific. He's got high heel shoes or boots and he's got like pearl necklaces. I mean, he's it's kind <laughs> like of mom jeans. <laughs> right. Which is, I mean, it's so it fits his character so perfectly. I love it. Mm-hmm. And it in, does. in some regards, it's also very stylish for 1988. He's got like this long purple coat. He's got the bunched you know, waistline. He's got the skinny tie and the skinny belt. I mean, it's, it's pretty representative of the times. I kind of dig it absolutely yes so all right if we're talking about the art we got it and you dropped some uh comments in your recap there we got to talk about there's a lot of cheesecake in this issue i'm not what? complaining but i'm not complaining about it then again my first name is irredeemable so <laughs> if you look at you know green flame you know in the beginning when she's wearing that dress to the whatever is the, the modeling agency and then later mm-hmm. on she's wearing you know like a i don't know a crop top or something to the party and barda who's in a yellow bikini the entire issue i mean there's a lot of it and it's obviously intentional I mean, it's not like there's a, an actual panel of Barta just like bent over the sink in a yellow bikini. Um, well, yeah, there kind of is. Actually, there 100% is a panel yes. <laughs> bent over the sink in a yellow bikini. Yeah, they, they, they pushed. It's funny reading at 13 years old, you don't catch all the jokes. They push some sexuality in here oh, yeah. that, I, that you, you read more as an adult and you go, oh my gosh, how did this get past me as a kid? But yeah, I want to, you're irredeemable shack. I don't want to talk about the sexuality. I want to hear you talk about well, the sexuality. Some of it's in the script because, you know, yes. at one point the colonel is going through this list. He's like, what is this list of briefs? And, you know, it's bikini, list of bikini briefs. That's the starting. And then right after that, he makes a comment about performance issues with Princess Tula, which to me makes him think like, oh my God, he was hitting on Aqua Girl from Aqua, you know, from the Aquaman series, but I think it's a different Princess Tula. And then there's this whole thing about the weenies. Okay. There are two <laughs> ways to read that joke, and I'm sure it's absolutely purposeful. You know, weenies could also be little dweebs, which I think that's what the script is sort of trying to lead you towards. It's like, oh yeah, you know, she's frustrated going, talking about there's going to be all these weenies at the party, and he's referring to, you know, his teammates are weenies and nerds and dweebs, right? But there is a panel that has been infamous, actually. I found it on a website today on the top 50 
16 most uh, out-of-context panels ever. <laughs> I kid you not. It is a shot of her walking away. It's a very sexy shot of her bottom in the bikini as she's walking away. Scott is staring right at her butt. There's no denying that. And she says, I don't even know what a weenie is. And he says, you'll know when you see it. She says, I can't wait. So... Again, there's the dweeb stuff going on, but then there's another innuendo in there. Now, maybe the artist chose to put that, you know, everything together in that way at that point. I don't know. But, uh, there's, it's, it's not subtle, folks. It hits you right over the head. <laughs> subtle to 13 year old, Jared. I, mean, I missed that one, but as an adult, I was like, wait, what the heck? Exactly. Exactly. So. Cause I was all like, oh, they're cooking hot dogs. Right. <laughs> Speaking of also hot, uh, Catherine Colbert makes an appearance in here. Thankfully, she's fully clothed. Uh, I I am head over heels for this lady, the 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 embassy liaison for the uh, European branch. She is awesome. They introduced her in issue eight, and she was great and smart and sharp and beautiful and just all these things. And then in Justice League Europe, they develop her even more. And in Who's Who, they talk about how she is like the fashion template for Paris. People look to see what she's wearing before they start to go buy clothes themselves. I mean, she's an awesome, fully developed character that I love, and I can't wait to see more of her. So I was thrilled to see her in this issue and just to see Booster being completely stumbling over himself. Because, you know, if you go back to issue eight, Moving Day, he made a complete ass of himself. And uh, she's, she's rubbing it in. And it's hilarious. I love it. And his every response to her is, mm. yep. <laughs> he totally deserves it, man. He he tried to be a player and he fell on his face. So it's not a not a spot boosters used to be in, man. That's true. That's true. So all right, going from you know crazy sexism to uh, gross and horrifying because that's where the Joker's heading towards. He has a couple of moments in here, psychotic moments, which are absolutely graphic and horrifying and disgusting, and yet they wrote they they pulled it off. It's funny where <laughs> yes. he murders. Two Two of his henchmen. I mean, let's see. He chokes one out, right? If I remember right. Yep. Strangle, just straight up strangles him like barehanded. Right. And I don't want to laugh at it, but it's damn funny. And then the other one, he murders and leaves in the street. And you see this guy face down in the street, missing his shoe in a pool of blood. And yet it's funny. Yeah, even his sock is half off. Yes. (laughs) They somehow, these guys, these masters of storytelling and art, managed to make psychotic murder hilarious. And uh, bless them for it. Thank you, guys. It's not an easy feat. I tell you. Or easy shoot, either. (laughs) So... We talked a little about Booster and Beetle's repo business. Gosh, that's, that's my favorite subplot of the story. It's hilarious. They, they, yeah, deciding to be repo men to make some money. This continues for a while. This shows up every so often. In fact, I was rereading some issues of Captain Adam recently. I'm doing some research for JLI and Captain Adam. And in the issue with Beetle, they talk about the repo business. So that carried all the way over. You know, the <laughs> carried over. Captain Adam is probably one of my favorite JLI characters, by the way. <laughs> I... I, I struggle. I love them all. I love them all. I love them all too. Except the Captain Adam that is in JLI, at least until you get to Justice League Europe, has no bearing resemblance whatsoever to Captain Adam in his own book at all. I mean, he is completely different. Yeah, you got you discussed that last episode. I tuned in. Wow, you actually listened to one? That's amazing. Yeah, I, I thought it was another show, but yeah, I, I went ahead and finished it by by accident. Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you happen to notice the shirt that Green Flame was wearing to the cookout? Did it mean anything to you? Without reading my notes. With I I honestly uh, don't have the notes out, but yeah, she's wearing like a isn't she wearing like a Captain Marvel Junior shirt or a Black Adam shirt rather? It's probably more like Black Adam. Um, if you choose to think that, that's that's quite possible. You're be horribly wrong. But okay, um, I'm thinking of a number between one and screw you. Figure out what it is. <laughs> she shows up to the party wearing a black T-shirt with a giant yellow lightning bolt. So yes, I guess you could say it is sort of a Black I, Adam. I I honestly thought it was like a Black Adam. 
It does. Now, now that you say it, I could see why someone might think it's a Black Adam t-shirt. And you know what? Maybe it is, because this is a DC comic. But I feel pretty confident that she's actually wearing a shirt based on the Mage comic book by Matt Wagner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does have that Mage look. You're absolutely right. I, w- I won't fight you on that. It absolutely looks like the, his shirt from Mage, which at this point um, had only stopped being published like a year ago before this. So it started in uh, what, 84 and ended in 86. So it was only a couple years old. It was a very popular sort of independent book. Uh, Willingham was not a traditional artist for DC. He had a lot more, you know, breadth of independent stuff. So I wouldn't be, I'd be shocked if it wasn't inspired by Mage. Yeah, you are probably on something. Now, honestly, I've never read an issue of Mage, so I can't speak on it, but uh, it makes sense. Your argument makes sense. You know, now that you say that, I haven't either. I've read a bunch of Matt Wagner stuff. I've read a ton of Grendel and other stuff that he's done, but I don't, I don't know that I've ever read Mage either. Huh. Does, um, Ice, does her shirt, it's like pink noog? Does that mean, does that mean anything to you? Cause I, I was trying to place it and it just didn't ring a bell for me. I, I didn't get it either. Is, is it new? I noticed like the way she's wearing it, like you can never get a full look at the shirt. It's N-O-O. And if it's, is it a G? Is that what that is? I think so. I mean, it's right across her breast area. So I looked real hard, but I bet I, you I just, did. Yeah. But it just, yeah. I, I think it says pink noog. Like maybe that's like a band or something or. Did you bother to Google this? I did not. I wait, didn't wait realize that there was a whole for that. internet internet thing. Okay. Well, listen, listen, man. I can only do so much to carry your show. Okay. True. True. At that. some point, you're going to have to step up. <laughs> and we all appreciate you doing this for us. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, I uh, we'll let someone at home Google that because we're doing a show right now, folks. Come on. You, you part at home. You at home can do your part. We're trying to include everybody. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, the folks in the comment section are unbelievable. This this show, it wouldn't be half the show it is without the comment section. You guys are amazing, so get your job. Do your part. True that. True that. Help us out. Give us some, some back line, backstory on some pink noog. Yep. So I <laughs> it just sounds wrong. So I gotta wonder, Martian Manhunter, like the the disguise that he chose, Willingham chose to put him in in this this issue. He's an older gentleman, a white guy with who's pretty much bald but has sort of the uh you know the captain stewing around the back. Like I, I don't know why he chose that body type. There's nothing. It's perfectly fine. But it reminds me of 10 years in the future from here, David Ogden Stiers will actually be cast as Martian Manhunter and add a few pounds to this version, and there's not that much of a difference. Good point. I was I thought he had a very sort of Peter O'Toole vibe. <laughs> Peter O'Toole vibe. Doesn't Peter O'Toole have a full head of hair? I know. I'm laughing because I, I, I always say the wrong actor when I do this. It's um Peter – oh, come on, Young Frankenstein. The guy who played the most, Peter Boyle. Oh, Peter Boyle. Oh. Yeah. I always, I always jack those two in my head. But yes, Peter Boyle look. He does look a little bit like Peter Boyle. Was Peter Boyle bald that early though in 88? I don't remember. I'm going to go with yes sure. with a question mark after it. Okay, fair enough. We'll, we'll do that. Uh, we'll just do that for your sake. No problem. He does look, <laughs> I can see a young Peter Boyle in here. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good call. He's very suspicious of hot dogs. And well, and, and later on, uh, or before that, Freddie Mercury was actually trailing them, uh, working for the Biolian Embassy. So. Oh, he really was. That's the page I'm on right now. I'm like, oh, gosh, I just realized that. So, okay. Well, the very ending, there's a couple different things that uh, are worth noting as well. Harjavati mentions Queen Bee. He says that, you know, maybe it's time to start open negotiations with Queen Bee. And that is actually the first mention of this iteration of the character ever. So she actually appears in Justice League number 16. We're going to be covering next month. Don't worry, folks. We will be coming back with an, with an enjoyable guest. But anyway, uh, she appears in Justice League number 16 for the first time. And she gets mentioned here first. So this is kind of sort of her first appearance ever, at least first mention. So kind of interesting there doing the foreshadowing there. And also the ending with the 
Joker standing there in the doorway, knowing that the uh, Bialya, whatever, that country, you know that story's <laughs> coming up, it makes you wonder if maybe they were kind of thinking they could use the Joker for that storyline. And then the killing joke changed everything. I, I got to think maybe that wasn't the case, but it makes you wonder how different that would have been if they could yeah. use the Joker in those stories. The Joker, yeah, it, it, who does speak Bialyan, by the way, because where did he learn it? Arkham Asylum, night classes. Night classes. <laughs> Asylum. Who's that, or what? Victorian poetry, or something like that? I think it was. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty funny. I want the. You know what? Speaking of the language of Bialy or Bialian, there was one thing that I thought was weird about the book. Okay. Uh, at the very, if you go to the very, very first page, you'll see um, Colonel H. Uh, he's thinking to himself in Bialian, which is always weird to me when they have people thinking to themselves <laughs> in a language. Right. That caught my eye. It always, this is always weird to me. Like, do you really think in the language, or do you? Does everyone think the same? That's just your deep thought for the for the day. But later on, it shows one of his henchmen, who's from Bialya, also thinking to himself. But he doesn't think in Bialya. Oh, he really? In English? Yeah, he thinks in English. <laughs> well, and you I'm know, like, what, man, they were in America I, at that point, right? Yeah. So I guess he was using his his American brain thoughts instead of his Bialyan brain thoughts. Well, a lot of his henchmen are speaking English in here, actually, as I'm looking at this. So. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, if yeah. they establish early on that you think in your native language, it gets confusing. These are the details that hang me up, people. I tell you, obviously very difficult and challenging for someone as simple as you. But hey, you know, it's it can't all be like uh, impulse hey, thoughts, balloons. Where impulses thought balloons. Um, this is me talking. You can wait your when the adults are talking. Wait your turn. Uh, impulse oh. in impulse thought balloons would actually be. You know, I can just edit your whole track out, right? Anyway, um, Impulse would be thinking in balloons with, with pictures. His thought balloons were actually little pictograms, which were great, which, you know, for you, because you can't read, would actually be perfect for that kind of stuff. I can, too, read. Burn. <laughs> Speaking of some of the jokes, because you were talking about the jokes, right? there are some good oh, jokes. Oh, gosh, there's loaded with good jokes. Yes, there is. We're, we're going to have to get to the moment in just a minute here. Oh, man. But just touching on a couple that I loved. I love the Emmett Kelly joke where they're talking about, because a lot of people wouldn't even get that, but, like, talking about his joke. Emmett Kelly the Clown. Um, uh, well, you know what? Actually, mm-hmm. why don't we get to the moment, and then we can talk about some potentials that we considered. You know what? That's what we're going to do here, folks. We are going to get to what you've all been waiting for, folks. It is time for... Pwahaha Award. This is where we're going to nominate the funniest moment in the issue, both myself and Jared. Yes, that's you. We'll pick a moment, and one of them are going to be awarded the coveted Bwahaha Award. Now, before we actually say which moment we chose, I have a couple runner-ups I wanted to mention. Do you have some runners-up you wanted to mention? The whole dang book. Okay. Um, let, let, let me hear yours, and then if I have any add-ons, I'll, I'll, I'll throw them on there. But okay. gosh, there's so many good ones in here. The moment where Guy Gardner is trying to help with the grill, because he's trying to be so nice. This is sweet, sappy Guy Gardner mode still. He's trying to help with the grill. It explodes, and then he has to come inside and tell Barda, he goes, Scott told me to come in here and see if I could help, which is, just cracks me up. It's just so well <laughs> art- artistically rendered. The timing of it's perfect. It's beautiful. I love that. Uh, one of the panels in the background, this had to be Willingham, because I, I don't see how this could have been in the script. There is a freezer. They're in the, in the embassy and they're talking, and there is a freezer in the background with a little note on it. It's not a word balloon. It's just a little note on the freezer that says, be advised, this freezer is exclusively for my Eskimo pies. Hands off, Jean. Which just, I, I bust the gut <laughs> laughing at. That I realize they're not Oreos. At this point, I don't know that Oreos have been firmly established as the dessert of choice, but the fact that Martian Manor already has a sweet tooth by this point and, and puts that note up there, that made me laugh my butt off. Definitely. And then 
first runner-up for me was uh, Green Fire, Green Flame, Fire, Fire and Ice. That's who's yes. Talking. Just, let's just do Fire and Ice. Yeah. Fire and Ice are talking, and they're talking. They're going to their modeling shoot, and Fire is just very confident. She's dressed sexy to the nines, and she says to Ice, "Actually, my air superiority masks a frightened, insecure soul." And Ice goes, "Is that true?" And Fire goes, "No, but people feel less threatened when I say it." I <laughs> cracked up. Over that, that, because that's so, that is perfectly for fire. It's, it is just absolutely perfect for B, because she, you know, she's super confident. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't question herself ever. And yet, you know, she's trying to help the little people out. That just cracked me up. I uh, similarly, I I got cracked up when they had the results of their meeting with the modeling agency. You know, and the Nordic look was in, and yep. Fire was upset. And she was like, "Well, you did get that. Like, it was a job like posing for like a mufflers, yes, like an yes. automotive mufflers <laughs> calendar." That, that cracked me up. Um, I'm also a big fan of the moment where Joker goes to make his first kill at the Russian uh, restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this place, you know, it's full of people. And he says, and I quote, uh, did you think I'd just walk in there and kill them all? What, do you take me for a mass murderer? And then, then Biolian agent goes, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, seriously, six panels later, he's like, all right, take me to Blue Beetle and Booster because I need to kill them. And I hope there's going to be a large crowd there because I'm in the mood to kill thousands. Exactly. It, it's, he's like so mercurial. It, again, it's terrifying, but it's funny. It's a nice setup and delivery, too. So Definitely. I like it a lot. All right. It's time. So we have to each nominate one, and we're going to have to get out to see who wins. What is your nomination for the Bwahaha Award? Okay. My nomination for the Bwahaha Award, I had to go with what I remembered most from when I read this when I was a kid. There was one joke that always stuck with me, All right. and I still love it. I love a joke where something so absurd happens that someone just totally acts against their normal character. Okay. Like something so absurd they just can't even handle it. So my Bwahaha Award nominee goes to Batman at the end. When he shows up in the car, he sees the mass chaos. His most hated villain, the Joker, is there. And he's just like, nope, not today. <laughs> I'm leaving. And he drives away. <laughs> that has always stuck with me. It is so un-Batman, that's what makes it funny. Like, he's just had it up to his pointy little bat ears, and he's done <laughs> for the day. He's done for the day. So that, that, that moment where Batman's just like, not today, and just drives off, always gets me. Folks, this has only happened a few times in the history of this podcast, but the guest and the host have agreed on the Bwahaha moment. What? It's a bit of a trifecta because Jose Rivera wrote into me in advance of this episode, letting me know that was his favorite moment of the issue as well. So, without a doubt, Mr. Wayne, congratulations. You have won the Bwahaha Award. Please, wear it with pride. It is as tangible as the laughter we give you, sir. Unbelievable that we both picked that moment. Now, it is perfectly set up. I mean, they talk about Batman. They talk about the signal device. They set it up very, very well. And the payoff, you know, Batman won um, won a couple issues ago too when they're trying to get Batman back by, with Guy Gardner was trying to get Batman to come back to the league so it's uh, it's perfect absolutely yeah, man, Batman picking up humor awards is such like a, a, an anachronism or some some, we- some weird word that I don't know I know I'm not using anachronism properly anathema that's the word I want it's just it doesn't make sense that Batman picks up so many humor awards but man nailed it he's the perfect straight man in this book no doubt about and it's, it it's, it's icing on the cake that the Joker's literally running after the Batmobile <laughs> begging him to take him back to Arkham because he can't stand this tomfoolery anymore. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, that, that Batmobile, is that the, the 300Z uh, model? Is that what that is? Let's yeah, he's, me. I always thought it looked like a Porsche 944. Oh, that could be it. Yep, yep. Okay. So I, you know, with the big giant you know, bat on the front, I was expecting like the, the Super Friends version, but yeah. Oh, 
we'll get what we can get. So yeah, he's anyway. gotten different ones for different occasions. That's his cookout Batmobile. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> for the weekends, <laughs> I think he'd be able to put the top down or something. He's Bruce Wayne's gotten more concerned with gas mileage. You know, he's tightening up his bank accounts. Well, it's true. So he's got more gas mileage friendly car. <laughs> I could totally understand. I, he's you know he's a thrifty guy. How do you think he kept all those millions? So all right, folks. Well, this is the part of the show where normally we would cover your feedback in a segment called Justice Log. But as I said, since this is an annual, we're going to cover your feedback in a future episode of the show. And Pat I- Sampson and Michael Bailey. <laughs> and I'll stop. I'll stop the joke. In advance, I want to say thank you to all of you for your support of the JLI podcast. Your feedback is such a critical part of the show. And the community of JLI fans we have are building here together is absolutely fantastic. So please keep those cards and letters coming. I told you before, the website, firewaterpodcast.com slash JLI. Leave your comments on the show post there. Go to our voice, our voice book. Go to our Facebook page. Our <laughs> There's a new thing. You can, I got a Facebook page. You can even send an email to jlipodcast at gmail.com. Oof. Well, Jared, believe it or not, it is come to an end, thankfully. Uh, my thanks, Jared, to you for appearing on this episode of the show. I truthfully, wholeheartedly mean that. It is always a blast to hang out with you, my friend. I, In fact, I got a notice the other day, a private message from somebody who goes, um, fair warning, Jared Alberts just told me he's crashing on your couch in December. And uh, so I put out the alerts. I've got police notified. But it'll still, mm-hmm. it'll be nice to see you. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to stop me. <laughs> you can call as many people as you want. I will be on your couch. It's going to smoke you and the bandit right through that barricade, folks. <laughs> Jared, uh, we've talked about some of it. Why don't you please tell the folks at home where they can find you on the interwebs? I will do that right after I reciprocate. Thank you for having me on the show. Very first podcast I ever listened to. This is what got me into podcasting. I was like, someone's talking JLI. I thought I was the only one that knew it existed. So this is where it all started. And who knew that this podcast could end up creating our friendship? I know, and I'm glad that it did. I'm glad it did. You guys at home can start getting your tissues out because I'm glad that Shag and I are friends. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) 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 All right, I'm good. I got a little verklimp. Just like I got to use some mouthwash now or something. (laughs) Okay, this is where to find me on all the all on the you know the good places on the internet. (laughs) And this is the point where you go get a get a drink because this is a lengthy list. Oh, I thought you were talking about your grinder accounts. Okay, go ahead. No, that that's going to be included and my voice and my voice book. (laughs) All right. Okay, folks, if you wanna, if you for some reason wanna know more, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Yard Sale Artist. I'm on Facebook and also Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist. You type in Yard Sale Artist, you're gonna find me. Um, I got a, a Yard Sale Art, uh, Yard Sale Artist blogspot. I've got theyardsaleartist.com. So I'm just all over those internets. Uh, if you wanna hear more of me, uh, podcasting, I encourage you to pick up the White Rocket Entertainment Network. I do a lot of podcasts there with Van Plexico. We do a James Bond podcast, a Babylon 5 podcast, a Quantum Leap podcast. And if you just want some inane bunch of idiots talking into some microphones, you definitely need to check out the Long Box Crusade with Pat Sampson. Uh, my brother Jason is now on it. My my best friend for life, Delvin's on it. Basically, me and my friends crashed Pat Sampson's wonderful podcast and just straight up ruined it. But it is it is a lot of fun to listen to. I call it the Ultimate Road Trip Podcast because each episode is like two and a half hours long of just – you name it. So those are the places to find me, Long Box Crusade, White Rock Entertainment Network. In addition to all that, I'm very proud to announce that my very first self-published comic book effort is coming out. Um, it, by the time this airs, it might be available. I've partnered with Van Allen Plexico over at White Rocket Books, and we have made White Rocket's first comic book. It is called Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. <laughs> 
And it is, it is, I wrote it. It's a 44 page issue, self contained, one shot. And, uh, what was fun about it is there's a lot of stuff in there that is historically accurate about Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr and their tumultuous relationship. But I added the fact that, you know, Alexander Hamilton's a werewolf and Aaron Burr's a werewolf hunter, which leads to their infamous duel. And, uh, so that's the, that's the book. It's a lot of fun. It's a silly fun ride. You know, think, think Abraham Lincoln or vampire hunter type of thing. So anyway, that should be out and available. Just, it, I'm not sure exactly through what you know avenues yet. I know we're going to be available digitally. I'm just not sure in what market at this point. Van's got to take care of that. But I will definitely have um, physical copies. So if you hear this and that sounds like it's up your alley, just seek me out on the Twitter or the Facebook, and I'll be happy to uh, point you in the right direction at that time. But if you're more interested in my art stuff, definitely check out the uh, Facebook uh, or the Facebook and the Twitter. <laughs> Uh, because I will always – my pinned tweet or my pinned post will always talk about what shows uh, I have coming up next. I think by the time this one comes out, the next opportunity you'll have to see me will be Tallahassee Comic Con, which is the first weekend in December in the wonderful city of Tallahassee. It has so much to offer and so many wonderful people live there. I will be at the Tallahassee Comic Con first weekend in December. And if any luck, I will have moved by then. So Now, I, you move where you want. I'm finding that couch. All right? <laughs> All right. Well, Jared, again, thank you for being on the show. Folks, I really do hope you seek him out. There's a lot to see out there, and his art is absolutely stunning. So after you're done checking that out, come back here next month where we're going to cover Justice League International number 16, and we'll have another guest host to help me cover the issue. Who will it be? Sorry, folks. You're just going to have to wonder for the next month. It's me. It's me again. No, it's not. But it is someone else I call a friend, so look at that. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. Until next time, I'm Shag. And I'm Jared. And you've been listening to the JLI Podcast. Want to make something of it? Catchphrase for JLI. Up, up, and away. Wrong. Damn it. I am the knight. Nope, not not even close. Want to make something of it? And is known as the yard sale artist. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome to the show Mr. Jared. How the hell do you say your last name? <laughs> do not edit that out, by the way. No, I'm not. Albrick. It's out. Uh, it, I, it's all brick, right? All brick. Like okay, the house right. was made of all brick. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome to the show Mr. Jared Albrick. <laughs> Alright, I'll be right back. I'm just gonna put the headset down. I'll be right back. Alright. you It's easy cause you're beautiful. And do 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 La 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 Okay. Left you a little something. Oh, I can smell it. Oh, God. Why?